I, I want, I want uh, you to watch a video in a second, but before we, we see it, I, I want to set it up for you. It was in 1992, Barcelona, Spain. A guy named Derek Redman is running the 400 meter in the Olympics. And while he's in the middle of, of the race, he's running for, uh, for Britain, for the United Kingdom. He blows out his hamstring. And where a lot of people would quit, he decides, I'm going to finish the race. It's one of the greatest athletic videos that you will ever see in regards to determination. And I want you to, to focus in on a few things. You're going to see a lot of things in there that, you, that you're going to relate to life. But we're talking about Hebrews 12:1. let us run with patience, and we're going to talk about that. But here's some things that I want you to notice in, in this short video. I want you to notice the crowd, how the crowd gets behind him when they see his determination that they start cheering him on. I want you to notice not just the crowd, but I want you to notice that when he is struggling to finish, that his father comes out of the stands and puts his arm around him and helps him to the finish line. It's incredible. This is an incredible story. I want you to notice the crowd. I want you to notice the father. I want you to, to notice the distractor, a well-meaning individual that when his father is helping him to finish the race, a, a gentleman comes up and starts talking to him and says, come on, you don't have to finish. You're, you're hurt. Everybody understands. And it's his father that says, get out of here. Powerful, powerful imagery living out in real life. It's Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 lived out before us. Let's watch this just for a moment. Back at Olympic Stadium in Barcelona, coming up to the men's 400-meter semifinals. Here are the lane assignments. Steve Lewis in lane three. Top four to Wednesday's final. Steve Lewis in lane three. Roberto Hernandez out quickly in four. Now down the back stretch. Ismael on the left of the screen is running very, very quickly. And inside of Lewis, Sunday Bada of Nigeria. And Derek Redman of Great Britain has pulled up with an injury. Redman is out. Derek Redman, the British record holder and an important member of that British 4 by 400 meter relay team as he doesn't want anybody to help him. It'll be Lewis to win in 44.50. Look at this. He's going to try to finish his semifinal race. The British have a certain tradition of running which you have to respect a bizarre finish to this first semi-final in the men's 400 meters Derek Redmond of Great Britain pulled up with an injury 
halfway down the back stretch. He's fighting off those trying to help him to finish the race in his lane. And now the pain too much. throughout Olympic Stadium as Redman, with assistance this time, approaches the finish line he had wanted so desperately to reach. Is that powerful? You know, there, there are so many parallels in that physical race to the spiritual one in Hebrews 12 where Paul says therefore since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses and that great cloud of witnesses are those that he mentions in in Hebrews chapter 11 it's it's Abraham it's Isaac it's Jacob it's Noah it's all of those that that we know by name and those that we have never even heard their name that have lived their life running the race with patience and have finished and now they're in the stands and whether you realize it or not everybody that has gone on before you and I that are in this amazing thing we call life this race that we call life every single person that has made it across that finish line that has received their reward is in the stands cheering us on you have so many people so many people that are connected with the with the scripture that are connected outside the scripture all of those that are mentioned in scripture those that are not mentioned in scripture but they have one thing in common they have a faith in God and they have lived their lives and Hebrews tells us that that those that that have connected with God that have lived their lives are now cheering us on one of them amazing understanding that you're not in this alone Jesus set the course set he, for the joy set before him in his race in his life that 33 and a half years he kept his eyes fixed on the prize and he lived his life in his lane and he has set the course for us and now here we are today in 2023 which is incredible isn't it and we get to run this thing called life and each one of us get to run in our own lane and here's the amazing part we're not running alone when when scripture tells us since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses notice the the plurality it's not since you it's we if any of you are runners and I know that uh, 
Dave Shuttleworth coached track and field for years and years and years. Last week when we talked about this, he came up and said, ah, I love the track and field. And there's something about it when you're running long distance and you're running. And if you notice in some of those races when all the athletes are running together, they're running in cadence, they're running in rhythm, that their legs are moving almost in perfect rhythm with one another. There is, a, there is a place that when we're running life that we as God's people can run together. You're not supposed to be running alone. But you can run this amazing life together that you can run in rhythm and in cadence with your brothers and sisters in Christ. It, it's stride for stride. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is trying to help us understand that, that it's not a solo event, but we get to run together. And I want to talk to you a moment about running together. And not just running together, but playing the part of that father. How can we help one another finish our race? It's a powerful question. That's a, the $64,000 question. That is a question that begs an answer. Uh, we, have, we have a ministry in this church called 321. It's not original. A lot of people have used it, but the three stands for three people in your life that decidedly do not know Jesus Christ, and, and, our, and your goal is to pray and to intercede and to connect with them and to get them into a relationship with Jesus that... That, that they will not be eternally lost, but you'll bring them to Christ. I think that's a powerful aspect of every believer's life, that we have to find people that don't know him, whether it's family, friends, somewhere in your oikos, somewhere in your house of influence, that, that people that you meet, whether it's at the tire store or at the grocery store or, or yoga or whatever you do, whatever your life circle of influence is, people that come across your life, if you are focused on trying to share the gospel, and I'm not talking about sharing the gospel through a track or you know here's four here's four laws or here's the roman road those are all great little tools that you can use if you want but i'm talking about getting involved in people's lives rolling up your sleeves and and hurting when they hurt and celebrate when they celebrate i'm talking about connecting with people on an intimate level from spirit to spirit that when they have an issue in their life the very first person that they're going to come and talk to is you and you say well not everybody that I know wants to be a Christian well my guess is there's probably a time in your life that you didn't want to be either and then somebody shared the gospel with you that's the three the one is is when we find somebody that's above us that we consider above us somebody that we can learn from a mentor that we, can, that we can go to and say, what do you think about this situation? And you not only have the word of God, but you have the wisdom from this man or woman that, that can speak into your life. 
somebody you trust, somebody that you, that you admire, somebody that you look up to, that you can have them as a source of wisdom and guidance in your life. So the three and the one, but the two is where I want to land. This is where I want to camp today, is the two. The two are your counterparts. It's those that are running the race with you. Those that are around you. Because anybody can be a two, or anybody can minister to a two. And you say, well, who are the twos in my life? There's a whole group right here. We're the twos. We're the ones that we get to encourage one another, to strengthen one another, to build up one another. When, when we see our brother or sister that, is, that has pulled up and they're, and they're wanting to finish their race but they're struggling, we get to be the two that can come up and put our arm around them and say, come on, we'll finish together. The best way that I know to encourage yourself is to encourage somebody else. I'm going to say that one again. The best way I know to encourage myself is to encourage somebody else. Because it, it requires that I get my eyes off of my problems. You say, Pastor, you have problems? <laughs> Don't we all? But there are things that you can deal with, those problems. One is keeping your eyes on, on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And the other one is quit focusing so much on self and focus on those that are around you. Because when you start focusing on people around you, something happens in your own life. It starts getting better. It's an amazing thing. Jesus said this in Matthew 19, 19. He said, he was talking to the rich young ruler, and he said, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He was talking to this guy that came up to him and said, hey, what do I need to do to, to have eternal life? In other words, what do I need to do to run my race and to run it well? That I can live this life this amazing life that's been granted to me, how can I live it to its fullest? And Jesus says, honor your father and mother. Respect them. But then he goes on and says, and love your neighbor as yourself. And I, I know you're, you're thinking right now probably about your neighbor next door. So the question that begs an answer is, who's my neighbor? Jesus goes on to say right after this that he gives us the story of the Good Samaritan where the, the priest and the, and the, and the Levite and the, uh, they went by and, and they were so busy doing the work of God that they didn't take care of this man that was injured. And he uses a Samaritan. A Samaritan was half-Jewish, half Gentile the Jews had nothing to do with them and Jesus uses the person that the religious people of the day looked down on the most and said 
he's a better neighbor than you are because he took care of the need. So the question is, who is your neighbor? In one sense, your neighbor is anybody that you come across that needs assistance, that needs the encouragement of God. But I want to talk to you, I want to hone in a little bit more and talk about those in your life that are Christians, those in your life that are moving toward the goal, those in your life that are running the race. How can we align with those that are around us and say, these are the ones that, that I can help. These are the ones that when they're struggling, I will come out, come into their lane, and help them across the finish line. Because to be honest, nobody is, a, is an island. For every lone ranger, there's a Tonto. Very first thing that I would encourage you to do if you're wanting to, to be that, that person of influence, that, that influencer in somebody's life, number one, is you need to have the same goal. You need to be unified with them. The same focus, the same goal, the same purpose. I would ask you this question. Why are you running? Sometimes, sad to say, that many Christians are running away from hell. And they're not running to Jesus. If you really want to be an influencer, if you want to be a, a two, if you want to be an influencer of those in your oikos, in your house of influence, in those that are around you, number one, your priority has to be, I have set my eyes on Christ. I'm not running away from hell. I'm running to my Savior. When you get that part, and you understand that you're in your lane and you're running, then you can begin to help those that are around you, running around you. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 9, 26. He says, therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man that's just beating the air. He says, I have purpose. I have intent. I am focused. I know where I'm running. I know where the end line is, and I don't care what's behind me. I am just heading toward the goal. Our goal is to make heaven together. If you want to be a two, you have to have the same goal. You have to have the same target. Sometimes our brothers and sisters, sometimes us, because we're a brother and sister. By the, by the way, I, I always tell people I, I loved it when I was Pentecostal because I'd had to memorize zero people's names. It was, hey, brother, hey, sister. Yeah, it was so easy. We have the same target. We have the same goal. The Bible says a three-strand cord is just hard to break. When, when you get Christians that are united for a common goal, that they're all focused on Christ, and they're all focused in going in the same direction, it is just hard to beat them. The second thing is not just having the same goal, not just being unified, but... You ready for this? Loving loving who you're running with 
loving who you are running with. The Bible doesn't say that you tolerate one another. He that endures to the end, that endurance doesn't mean tolerating your, those that are around you, but loving your neighbor as yourself. Now that's an amazing statement, don't you think? And if you say, well, I'm perfectly honest, I would say, do you really love those around you as much as you love yourself? Because one thing that I have come across in life is that people are dramatically, passionately in love with themselves. That we love us. That's why we get our feelings hurt when people don't treat us the way we think we should be treated because, after all, we are the apple of God's eye. We love ourselves. Scripture says this. He said, he who despises his neighbor lacks wisdom. If you say you love somebody but you're not showing that you love somebody, do you really love them as much as you love yourself? Notice, I, I loved... Well, let me, let me go on a little bit. Psalms 101.5 says, whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, uh, God says, I'm going to destroy him. You say, well, why does he do that? Well, why did he... Because you're not demonstrating love if you're talking about somebody. Now, now, in the South, I know that, that there is no gossip in the South. We have prayer requests. <laughs> so, so I understand that. But the reality is this, that, that love is not about putting somebody else down. It's not even about, it's not even about trying to, to get them to your way of thinking because notice what that father did in that video. He came in and he kept his son in his own lane. He didn't tell his son, come over here to the bleachers. And when he got there, he didn't tell his son, hey, I'm, I, I have a better way to run this race for you or I know how to fix that, that hamstring. He just put his arm around him and said, here's your race Here's your goal. Here's your passion. And I'm aligning with your race. I'm aligning with your passion. And I'm aligning with your goal. It's not what I should think you should do. It's what God has called you to do. And I, my ways don't really matter. It's what God has called you to do. And I am going to be a drink offering. I am not the main offering. Your goal, your purpose, and your passion is number one. I'm just here here to love I am here to care and I am here to assist when we get there when we get there something amazing happens first Corinthians 13 just blows up in our hearts and he says love makes you walk that extra mile love makes you when they ask you for your coat you give them your shirt love asks it when you covers a multitude of sin love doesn't think evil love remains faithful everything about charity about love in action in first Corinthians 13 comes alive in your life when you realize it's not the way I would run their life it's the way they're running and I am just going to help them finish their race when first missionary trip I went on 
I had some great advice. We were over in the Middle East somewhere, and uh, the guy that we were with, the guide, he said, you're going to see all of these different ministries, you know, and I'm with a group of pastors, you know, trying to get pastors to do something like herding cats. Because we're kind of all opinionated. That's why we're pastors. And we all have our own way of doing things. That's why we're pastors. What God called us to do. He said, you're going to see things and you wouldn't do it that way. He said, the worst thing you can do is give your advice. He said, number one, you don't know the culture. You don't know why, why they're doing it. The best thing to do is just don't give advice. Just simply love. You know, it, it, was, it was amazing. Because the longer I hung around them and the more I understood the culture and the more I understood uh, the context and in, in the ministries and they were working in, it was completely different than the U.S. of A. What worked here wouldn't work there. And what my good friend was trying to explain to all of us, I really think he was talking to the other ones. He was excluding me, but we'll... Was saying, just run with them. Don't try to fix it. Just encourage, strengthen, and love. They're doing the work of the Lord. They're running the race. That brings me to the next one is... It's not just loving them, but helping your neighbor's dream. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 24, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Isn't it amazing that, that I can't live your life and you can't live mine? Have you ever tried to live somebody else's life? Or have you ever tried to live your life vicariously through your children? You ever seen somebody do that? Being around schools, and if you've ever been around schools, and you'll see a lot of parents, especially dads, try to live out their, their lives through their sons' and their daughters' athletic abilities. And it's amazing that they push. And, and I now all three of my girls, they played basketball. I played basketball, they played basketball. I did not push them. I told them they could be a forward or a guard. I didn't care. But it's their dream. It's their focus. They're the one that's running the race. It's, it's not ours. It's not ours to determine how they should run that race. As long as, it's, as they're aligning with the Word of God, and hear me, as long as they're aligning with the Word of God, they may make choices that are different than you, and that is okay. Our goal is not to, to make sure that they would run the race or live their life exactly the way we think they should live their life. We're there to make sure they finish the, uh, the race, that they get across the finish line. So it, it's wrapping our lives and our minds around the fact that we're just going to help them. We're going to support them. We're going going to encourage them. We're going to give them encouragement. We're going to give them strength. And one of the greatest things that you can do, do you remember in the video where the guy came up to him and he said, hey, come on, you can quit. You can quit. Did you see what his dad said? Get out of here. 
Sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you'll have a negative voice, and I, and I hate to say it, but sometimes you'll hear a negative voice that is in the halls of the church, and, and they're talking a little negative here, or they'll talk a little negative there. It's not our responsibility to worry about that. It's our responsibility to put our arms around the other people that are hurting and saying to that voice of negativity, get out of here. You have no place in the house of God. You have no place in the life of this individual. Quit trying to get them to quit their race. Their eye is focused on Christ and if I am here, I will be their legs. I will be their strength. I will walk with them. Man, there's something about when we get to that place that it's not about us but it's about focusing and, and helping others to make their goal. In 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Samuel both, toward the end of 1 Samuel and the beginning of 2, you see David and Jonathan. And it was really incredible that Jonathan is Saul's son. Saul is the king. Jonathan is next in line. Saul is wanting Jonathan, his son, to be the heir of the kingdom. And yet, so Jonathan knows that God has called his friend David. Have you ever thought about the, the turmoil that Jonathan had to wrestle with? Knowing that God had called his best friend to take the position that he was supposed to have? And yet the scripture says, Jonathan willingly, willingly said, though I am in line for the king, God has chosen you, and I am going to help you run your race. Jonathan could have been like his father, but chose to help somebody else run their race. It's amazing that after Saul and Jonathan were killed in battle, in 2 Samuel chapter 4, David remembers his best friend and finds his son, his one son that was left alive, Mephibosheth. and takes him and sets him at the table where Jonathan would have sat. And David honored him and helped him run his life and his race all the days of his life. You know what Mephibosheth actually means? Dispeller of shame. God is calling us. God is calling us with a passion. Let's run together. Let's run this race called life together. Let's knit our hearts and our minds 
together through the word of God with purpose and passion. Let's set our eyes on, on the prize, which is what Christ has done for us. We are setting our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith, and let us run together. When you see your brother or sister down, pick them up, pray for them, encourage them, give them a word of encouragement, give them a blessing. If, if they're going through a difficult time, send them a little money. Whatever it is that you need to do to bless them, because at the end of the day, when you finish the race, the only thing that you're really going to look for And the only thing you're really going to see is not the things that you've built in this life, but it's the bonds that you have forged with one another that will last for eternity. Praise team, would you please come? I have a challenge for you today, not the praise team. For you. We have this amazing thing in our lives. You say, well, I haven't really been serving the Lord very long, so I don't know who I could influence or who I could help. You know who helps me the most? I'm going to be honest with you. Those that help me the most are, are usually the ones that have been serving God the least. And you say, well, well why? Why does that? Because their, their faith is so fresh and so real and so amazing. I think I've told you this before, but we had won this guy to, to the Lord. We didn't. We being the Holy Spirit, really. Um, I was just along for the ride. And uh, so I'm standing in front of the church. They're distributing the elements. And he's sitting right there. And I'm praying like this. And I hear this, psst, psst. So I look out of my eye, and there he is. And he, and he said, and here he is sitting, and he's got his tank top, shorts, and flip-flops. And he said, Pastor, I didn't eat breakfast, so I got a whole handful of, cra of crackers. Is that okay? <laughs> Don't you love that? That's the stuff that I love. That's the stuff that gets me up in the morning. Truth. Raw. Honesty. That's what drives me. What drives you? I know you're sitting here thinking about a couple of people that you could influence. A couple of people that you may just be there. Can I encourage you this week? Don't let it go by. This week. Be that too for somebody. Encourage them. Write a card. Write a letter. Send a text. Whatever it is that you do, and you do well, just do that. It doesn't have to require money. It doesn't have to require a lot of time. It's just a conscious decision that I want to bless somebody else and see what God does, not only for them, but for you. Would you stand with me? Let's pray together.